77th episode of the Hipster Baseball Podcast, HBP. I'm Dorian, and on today's podcast, we meet up with the Hollywood stars at a juice bar in Los Angeles, hand out healing stones to injured baseball stars, rediscover the Oakland Athletics' Christian Betancourt, and the Los Angeles Angels are taking the drop with their new City Connect uniform. But at the very beginning of every episode, I share what I'm drinking with you. This week, I'm drinking Multigreen, which is raw kombucha from GT's Synergy, located in Beverly Hills, California. Am I becoming too Hollywood for this podcast? What in the hell is kombucha? Are you trying to tell us your chakras are rising in the house of asparagus? No, calm down. I'm not doing any of that. (laughs) I want to tell you, for those of you who don't know, the five of you who may not know, kombucha is a sweet and sour drink with some gases in it. And it's made from tea. And it's actually been around for about 2,000 years. The Chinese actually invented it or they were the first ones to start brewing this. And then later the Japanese and the Russian started drinking this. So how do you make kombucha? I obviously didn't make this. I got this from the store, JT's Synergy. Interestingly enough, it's kind of like how cabbage is preserved as sauerkraut or kimchi, for those of you who like German cuisine or Korean cuisine. And it's also how milk is turned into yogurt. I know you're saying, Dorian, I don't care about biochemistry. Let's talk about baseball. Yes, let's talk about baseball. Did you know that Before the Brooklyn Dodgers moved to Los Angeles back in 1957, there was a minor league team in L.A. There was actually two of them, but I'm only going to talk about one of them. They were called the Hollywood Stars, and they played in the Pacific Pacific Coast League from 1938 until 1957. And what's actually cool about the Hollywood Stars was that they had celebrities of the day who were part owners. People like Gary Cooper, William Powell, Bing Crosby. Obviously, these names mean nothing to you, but to your parents and your grandparents, they loved Gary Cooper, Bing Crosby, etc. And the Hollywood stars played at Gilmore Field, which is in the Fairfax district of Los Angeles. Sadly, Gilmore Field is no longer around, and it's actually, the former site is just actually a parking lot at the CBS Television City. (laughs) Everything in America eventually becomes a parking lot. But you know what? I'm raising a glass of this multi-green raw kombucha to the Hollywood stars because they won the Pacific Coast League Championship in 1949. Almost like yesterday. And I know you're asking because I'm asking myself, were the Hollywood star players and celebrity owners drinking kombucha in the 1950s? I bet they were. Everything is always more forward-thinking in California, especially Southern California. The Hollywood stars aren't around anymore and obviously don't have social media accounts. But this podcast does. Our Twitter handle is at HPP4040, and our Instagram account is Hipster Baseball Podcast. Give us a follow, block us, don't even look us up, do whatever you want. I want to talk about the current 911 emergency that's going on with all these ridiculous baseball injuries. I'm going to give you a list of just some of the stars that stand out for me, but when I was thinking about this, it reminded me of that 1992 video game, Mortal Kombat that you would play on your Sega Genesis or at the arcade. Dude, how old are you? (laughs) I don't know what it is, but right now it seems so many of these big names are being injured right now. Maybe it's because I think it's that way, or maybe it's because of the shortened spring training. I don't know. 
since we're talking about the Hollywood Stars in Los Angeles, let's stay in L.A. and talk about the Los Angeles Chargers right fielder, Mookie Betts. He has, he's, he's out now with a cracked right rib. He's going to be out for a few weeks. Mookie Betts said, quote, It's sore, but it is what it is. I thought it was a little bruise or something and played through it. It got worse over the next couple of days, and now we're sitting here. End quote. Apparently, he cracked his right rib just last week on the 15th of June in a game versus the crosstown Los Angeles Angels, who actually play over in Anaheim. Betts collided with the Dodgers center fielder Cody Bellinger, and now, like I said, he's out for a few weeks. He's actually going to be out a little bit longer. People, we're talking about a cracked rib. Have you ever tried to breathe with a cracked rib? Cough with a cracked rib. Laugh with a cracked rib. Try to sleep with a cracked rib. And now we're going to be asking Mookie Betts to go play a professional sport called baseball with a cracked right rib. Obviously, these professional sports, these athletes have a higher threat, threat, pain threshold, but it's the middle of June. It's the end of June. We're not talking about October playoff baseball. They need to make sure Mookie Betts is right. And if he, if he needs three weeks, if he needs four weeks, I don't care. You don't put someone like that in a position to re-injure that rib. Because, oh, again, I've never had a cracked rib, but I know plenty of people have had, and they say it is awful. I hope Mookie Betts get back, gets back on the field and recuperates very quickly. But you know what? I don't even know if the Dodgers even needed him. Well, will need him over the next couple of weeks. This season, he's hitting 273. He's hit 17 home runs, which is, which is a lot. But in his last 30 at-bats... He had exactly one hit, and that one hit was a home run. And his batting average was .067. I'm going to repeat that for you. Mookie Betts' batting average over the past 30 at-bats was .067. Certainly that cracked rib was a problem, but I'm thinking it might have been something else as well. I don't know what it is, but right now the Dodgers are in first place in the National League West Division. They're 40 and 25. They're only half a game ahead of the San Diego Padres. And Mookie Betts' teammate, the Dodgers right-handed pitcher Walker Bueller, he's also out with a flexor strain until September. He's actually been out a few weeks with that flexor strain in his right forearm. How in the heck do you get a flexor strain? And it's caused because what pitchers do, they have a repetitive motion again and again and again, that either inflames, it can irritate or strain the flexor in the forearm. Obviously, this this kombucha is making me a lot smarter than my usual beer drinking. (laughs) And on top of that, Bueller, he, when he's been, since he's been out, he actually had an uh, arthroscopic procedure to remove a bone spur from his right elbow. So he's getting it all done all at once. And you know what? Just like I said earlier about Mookie Betts, Maybe the Dodgers are better off without Walker Buehler pitching every five days because he hasn't been having his best season. He's only pitched more than six innings twice this season, and his ERA is 4.02. That is very un-Walker Buehler-like. Don't worry, Dodgers fans. Walker Buehler will be back in September, and I fully expect him to face the Atlanta Braves in the National League Championship Series when these two teams inevitably meet again for the third straight playoffs. And over in Anaheim, the Angels' third baseman, Anthony Rendon, was injured. He re-injured his right wrist versus 
the Los Angeles Dodgers back on the 14th of June. And apparently he has a subluxation in the wrist. And unfortunately, it basically means the bone comes out of its groove. It sounds really nasty. But again, Rendon hasn't had the best season. He's only hit 228, only five home runs, and he only played in 45 games this season. He's out for the rest of the year because he just had surgery. Last year, he only played in 58 games. And the reality is I'm hearing all this stuff on news and, and articles of like, oh, Anthony Rodon injured again. He actually wasn't injury prone when he was at the Nas- with the Washington Nationals. He always played 150, 155 games. And it's just unfortunate that the past two seasons with, that this has happened to him. Because again, luck plays a part in teams' injuries. And the Angels could have used Anthony Rodon for the rest of the year. Right now, they're in second place in the National League West. Nine and a half games behind the Houston Astros. As we all know, the Angels had that disastrous 14-game losing streak earlier this month. But you know what? Don't look now. Because the Angels have won three straight games. And starting today, the beginning of this week, they're hosting the terrible Kansas City Royals. So they should win two out of three. Maybe even sweep the Royals. And maybe catch up on some games with the Houston Astros. And so we go from the, the house that Mickey built in Anaheim. And by Mickey, I mean Mickey Mouse. <laughs> so we're going to go down to PCH, the Pacific Coast Highway. And then we're going to jump on the I-5 freeway. And we end up in beautiful San Diego. Where more injuries follow. Third baseman Manny Machado. He sprained his left ankle just a few days ago on the 19th of June. when Against the Colorado Rockies. When he was trying to beat out an infield hit, they the Padres did an X-rays. It's not he didn't break his ankle, but as my podiatrist once told me, sometimes actually no, he actually said it's better to break your ankle than it is to have a bad sprain because a bad sprain takes much longer to heal. And Manny Machado didn't break his ankle; he sprained it. Manny Machado is having a monster season. He's hitting three twenty eight. His on-base percentage is 400. He's hit 12 home runs, and he's been durable. Manny Machado has played in 66 of the Padres' 68 games, and that's huge because the San Diego Padres shortstop, Fernando Tatis Jr., has been injured all year. And the bad news that came out of Tatis Jr.'s thing is it came out that he hasn't even picked up a bat yet. It's the end of June, and they were expecting him for to be back in July. July is not even two weeks away, and he hasn't even been picking up a bat. So it sounds like Tatis Jr.'s recovery timeline is, keeps getting pushed further and further and further into the season. And let me tell you, don't go looking. Don't go. I, I am not about these YouTube videos of seeing disgusting things, gross. Don't see Manny Machado's run to first base because you see his ankle snap, and it's not a pretty sight. So poor guy. So we hope Manny Machado comes back, I don't know, two weeks, four weeks, I don't know, but the Padres need him. Because right now, like I said, Tatis Jr. is out. Machado's going to be out. And the Padres called up basically his replacement, C.J. Abrams, who's one of their top minor league players. He called, They called him up from their AAA team. I love this name. The El Paso Chihuahuas is where C.J. Abrams was playing. <laughs> well, like I said, it... Not having Manny Machado for the next two, three, four weeks is going to hurt the Padres because, like I said earlier, the Padres are in second place. They're only half a game behind the Dodgers. They, the Padres have 41 wins. They've only lost 27 times. 
And this is a really good turnaround for the Padres because we all remember the San Diego Padres were one of the stories of last season in 2021 for all the wrong reasons because they were a huge disappointment. They missed the playoffs. Their manager, Jace Tinger, was fired. But this year, they're the real deal. They actually have a, a plus 62 run differential, which is one of the best in all of baseball. And Fernando Tatis Jr. is one of the early front runners for the National League Most Valuable Player. So I can't wait to see Machado back on the field and in person. So we're talking, we're doing all this Southern California talk. You know what? What about the East Coast? I'm going to tell you about the East Coast. I'm going to tell you about Steven Strasburg, the right-handed pitcher from the Washington Nationals. He's out with thoracic outlet syndrome. This is not something new, unfortunately, for Steven Strasburg. He's been battling this now for a year or two or probably even more. I don't quite remember. So those of you who are asleep during your first year of medical school, the thoracic outlet syndrome is actually a group of disorders. It's not just one. It's a group of them that occur when blood vessels or nerves in the spaces between your collarbone and your first rib, basically the chest, are compressed. So that compression causes shoulder and neck pain and numbness in your fingers, which is very bad. That means blood flow is being restricted to your extremities. And this time, the Washington Nationals caught a stress reaction between his second and third rib. I mean, what is this, like a barbecue podcast? We're talking about Mookie, Mookie Betts ribs earlier. Now we're talking about Steven Strasburg ribs. And here's the, the sad thing is that Steven Strasburg was one of the most highly touted amateur pitchers of the past 15 years. I think right up there with Kerry Wood, who pitched with the Chicago Cubs. And since Strasburg signed a huge deal after the 2019 season when the Washington Nationals won the World Series, it's been nothing but downhill. This season, Strasburg only had one start, gave up seven runs, and he went right back to on the injured list because of the, the stress reaction in his ribs. The reality is he's probably out for the whole season again. In the last, what, two, three, in the last three seasons, 2020, 21, and 22, he's pitched, Strasburg has pitched a grand total in three years of 31 and a third innings in three seasons and his era is 6.89 i don't think it matters if he comes back or not next year he's going to come back next year but i don't really think it even matters if he comes back to the washington nationals because the learner family who owns the washington nationals they're looking to sell the team very soon let me ask you does anyone want to join a syndicate with me and we can have jp morgan as the lead bank on the transaction to buy a baseball team I would freaking love that. Look, Strasburg has four years left on that huge extension he signed. And the Nationals have their all-solar system batting champion, Juan Soto. He's not signing a long-term deal with the Washington Nationals. And so I wouldn't be surprised if the learners actually try to trade away Strasburg once, once he makes it back next year. Strasburg is making $35 million a year. And so here's my thinking. The learners don't sign Juan Soto. Juan Soto goes to free agency this year. I think next. I think it's next year. This year, I forget when. They trade away Strasbourg, Strasbourg for a bunch of prospects. They lower the team's salary and making it much more attractive for a potential buyer, aka you and me. That way, when the owners come in, they don't have a huge contract hanging over them, potentially on a player they aren't necessarily tied to basically Steven Strasburg or Juan Soto. So there's my early 2023 prediction. 
Steven Strasburg is going to get traded away. And Juan Soto is not coming back to the Washington Nationals. <laughs> okay, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because, like I said, the learners are, are selling the team. And right now, the Washington Nationals are in last place in the National League East Division. It's the end of June, close to the end of June, and they're already 21 games behind the division-leading New York Mets. That's it. The Learners got their World Series ring. They 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 brought a a World Series championship to the Washington D.C. area. They are going to make billi- billions, not not millions, billions, brr, b billions with the sale. Steven Strasburg has a huge contract. He has his ring. Juan Soto has a ring, and he's going to get a massive contract, about half a billion dollars. Everything is fine, okay, except maybe for like the Washington Nationals fans. Forget about that. Let's talk about the Tampa Bay Rays. You know, that's one of my favorite teams. They're all everything. Their young stud shortstop, Wander Franco, he's been out since the 30th of May for about three weeks now with strained, with the strained quadriceps, and they and the Rays need everybody. Look, the Rays right now are in third place in an American League East division, 13 games behind the New York Yankees. The Yankees are curb stomping everyone in the American League. Last week, the Yankees swept the Rays in New York. Then the Rays went to Baltimore and lost two of three. Yuck. And we've said this before, I think, in a few episodes ago, and it's common knowledge, the Orioles... The Angelos are in a huge mess. The, the Angelos, the family that owns the Baltimore Orioles, there's rumors they want to sell the team. There's rumors they want to move the team to Nashville, Tennessee. And right now, the family members are all suing each other for control of the team. I'm telling you, it's awful when you hear all when you hear these these not rich families, wealthy families always suing each other for money. But back to the Tampa Bay Rays. So they lost. So they got swept by the Yankees. They lost two of three games to the Tampa Bay Rays, and the Rays have only won two of their last nine games. This, I think that it's the end of June, but I think this is an important week for the Tampa Bay Rays and the American League East division because tonight starts a three-game series. The Rays will host the New York Yankees for three games, and then this coming weekend, the Rays are going to host the terrible Pittsburgh Pirates. So now is a time to go on a winning streak because the Rays are going to need a lot more help than just waiting until Wander Franco comes back. Wander Franco is currently, I forget what my league team he's on right now. He's just rehabbing. It's either make your move now or just gunning for a wildcard spot in the American League for the Tampa Bay Rays. And so again, Rays, get on that win streak. Take two of three from the Yankees and sweep the Pirates. That'll be a very successful week to say we won five of six games. But speaking of a winning streak, how about them Atlanta Braves? They went on a 14-game win streak, which is the longest in Major League Baseball this season. They swept the Colorado Rockies. They swept the Oakland Athletics. They swept the Pittsburgh Pirates. And they swept the Learners Washington Nationals. These past two weeks, the Braves have been acting like Oprah Winfrey. You get a broom. You get a broom. You get a broom. (laughs) Or for you artsy people, it also reminded me, I don't know why this art reminded me of the Braves' amazing winning streak. This New York artist called uh, Lucian Smith, way back in 2013, he had an exhibit called A Clean Sweep that was exhibited in a Soho gallery in Manhattan. 
which represented the changing face of New York City in a negative way. Not that his exhibit was negative, but he was just, he was representing the negative way that New York was changing. Because it was almost like the Disneyfication, Disneyfication of New York, of Manhattan, Brooklyn, Astoria, not Astoria, but Long Island City, etc. And so in this exhibit called A Clean Sweep, Lucy and Smith put brooms everywhere, everywhere. They were just brooms standing up everywhere. And also on the walls, he had mini Polaroids, which had pictures of everyday objects like a mailbox, fire hydrant, telephones. And what was really cool was that each of these mini Polaroids, he put he put nine of them on nine of them at a time in a protective plastic, which is kind of like showing off your baseball cards when you were growing up or maybe even now that you're collecting baseball cards. So, yes, brooms. And you know what? I'm going to stay on this topic for just a little bit more. I'm not a fan when New Yorkers keep droning on about how much they miss 1980s and 1990s New York. The New York of Jean-Michel Basquiat, who of course is the brilliant half Haitian, half Puerto Rican New York artist. No, no. I'm telling you people, the 80s and 90s, in the 80s and early part of the, ni- the 90s in New York was a terrible place. Women had to put their money and credit cards in their bras so they wouldn't get stolen. You couldn't take the subway at night. I mean, there was there were ice cream trucks selling drugs at night. New York was a terrible place in the 80s and 90s, in the early 90s. And it really irritates me when people romanticize of how much they miss that era. It's like, you know what? No one wants to go back to that. But on the, on the flip side, yes, New York has become too mainstream. I don't even know what's the right word. It's just we've taken it too far to trying to make everything genteel and trying to make everything look the same. But New York is brilliant. New York is New York. But I'm telling you, New York is a better place today than it was 30 years ago. Anyways, what is this? A medical podcast? A remedial art class podcast? (laughs) We're talking about the Atlanta Braves and their second baseman, Ozzy Albies, because he injured his left foot. He fouled a ball off of his left foot just last week on the 13th of June when they were playing and they won and they beat the Washington Nationals. He's going to be out for at least two months. But again, just like Walker Buehler of the Dodgers, Mookie Betts of the Dodgers, Anthony Rendon of the Angels, Ozzy Albies hasn't been having the hottest season, even though the Braves have been scorching hot for most of June. Albies hasn't been that good this year. He's only hitting 244. He's always excellent with the glove, but with the bat, it's been underwhelming. It's been disappointing this year, so maybe having some time away clear his mind and he comes back like an absolute beast that we all know he can play and the Braves can overcome the New York Mets and win yet another National League East Division title because right now they're the Braves are five and a half games behind the New York Mets you know what like I said I love New York don't think that I don't freaking love New York I love New York and what I love most about it is that you can get any service 24 hours a day and that's where our show sponsor comes in Hairstyle by Harold, the most talked about salon in New York for curls and curling. Open until midnight. A haircut at midnight? Yes. Perms and coloring too. Hairstyle by Harold, located on 342 Madison Avenue. You know what? I'm just about finished with my kombucha and I think I'll be in New York very soon and I'm going to go get my hair done at Hairstyle by Harold. While I listen to people complain how New York has gone down the down the drain (laughs) or I can just ask them to put on a baseball game on the on the tv 
because that's where I saw a player that I haven't seen in a while who's now part of the Houdini Watch. There's that guy. And by Houdini Watch, I mean is someone you knew, someone you've seen play, you haven't seen them in years, and randomly they pop up in some game, and you're like, oh my goodness, whatever happened to that guy? And that happened to me last week or two weeks ago with Christian Betancourt. He's the Panamanian backup catcher and first baseman for the Oakland Athletics. I saw him when the Oakland Athletics played the Atlanta Braves, and he actually pitched in one of those losses to the Braves on the 8th of June. Christian Betancourt used to pitch, used to pitch, he used to be a catcher for the Braves. He was signed as a 16-year-old teenager back in 2008, and he played in Major League Baseball. He actually obviously graduated to the big leagues, and he played in Major League Baseball from 2012 until 2015, and it wasn't, it wasn't always with the Braves. He bounced around. He was with the Braves. He played for the San Diego Padres and Milwaukee Brewers. And he even played a season in South Korea at the in the KBO, which is the Korean baseball organization, with a team called NC Dinos. And you know what? You know another former Brave player who's currently playing for the NC Dinos? Pitcher Wes Parsons. Uh, Parsons was with the Braves organization between 2013 and 2019. So go Wes Parsons. So this season, Betancourt is hitting 248. He's not walking that much because his on-base percentage is 285. And is in his entire career, Betancourt has, has hit 12 home runs. Four of them have been this year with the Oakland Athletics. Uh, he actually signed a minor league deal with the Athletics back in December 2021. As we know, the Athletics let everyone go. They traded away everybody. And it's like, well, it opens up opportunities for guys playing in the minor leagues. And I'm very surprised I saw him because when... When Christian Betancourt was with the Atlanta Braves, he was a super hyped prospect. They were like, this is the guy that's going to take over for Brian McCann as the future catcher for the next 10 years for the Atlanta Braves because he was supposed to have power. But, oh, my God, he was not a good catcher at all, like not even a little, but he was a terrible catcher. And it was so disappointing because we had put so much hope that he was going to stabilize. And it's like, you know what, that's one position we don't have to think about for the next 10 years. Didn't turn out that way. Like I said, then he got let go, or I think he got traded then and got, got let go by a bunch of other teams. Ended up in South Korea with the NC Dinos. And now he's back, and he's actually playing pretty well with the bat with the Oakland Athletics. So cheers to you, Mr. Christian Betancourt, because the Athletics need you. This is a terrible team. At one point, the Athletics lost 10 games in a row. I think it was like at the end of May to the beginning of June. And they've actually lost... 15 of their last 18 games. It's, oh, it's mind-blowing. And a lot of those losses, have, have the athletics haven't even been competitive. They've lost games like 5-1, to 7-2, 8-0, 13-2, 10-1, 5-0. You get the point. So Christian Betancourt, you are this week's Houdini Watch. It was great to see you pitch, and it's awesome to hear that you're actually contributing to the Oakland Athletics. If not, they'd be a lot worse than they already are. <laughs> so I hope you sign a long-term deal with the Athletics or some other team, or maybe the Las Vegas Athletics when they actually leave Oakland. We're going to have to do another podcast about that, but it's sad that Oakland's going to lose. Oakland's already lost the, the NFL's Oakland Raiders. They already lost the, the, the NBA champions Golden State Warriors because the Warriors moved across the bridge to San Francisco, and now they're on the verge of losing the Oakland Athletics, because their owner is a greedy son of a gun.
And you know what? Obviously, we're talking about the learners, families selling the Washington Nationals, the Angelos family drama. But with the Oakland Athletics major owner, John J. Fisher, his son of a gun, he earned his money the old-fashioned way. He inherited it. His parents, or his dad, actually invented the Gap or Banana Republic. One of those stores that you always see. Yeah, Gap. That's what it was. His dad is the founder of Gap. So, you know, John, he he inherited his money. So he worked hard for it to, to be born on third base. And here he is crying to the city of Oakland Council of, you need to buy me a stadium. You need to build me this. You need to do this for me. John J. Fisher, you need to go away, sir. Sell the team. It's clear you don't want the team to be in Oakland. Uh, I don't think Oakland wants you there either. Anyways, we'll have to do another podcast about the poor Oakland athletics. Going from Oakland back down to Southern California, down the Pacific Coast Highway, I want to talk about the Los Angeles Angels' new Nike City Connect uniform in this almost annual weekly segment of Styling and Profiling with Ric Flair. Fashion and sports. You've probably already seen the Los Angeles Angels' new City Connect uniform. If not, use the internet machine and look it up. Here are my first two thoughts. It looks, the uniform looks like a Frankenstein creation where licorice, (laughs) which I know a lot of people don't like licorice, red licorice is dropped onto uncooked pizza dough. That's exactly what it looks like to me. So the Angels debuted their City Connect uniform on, in a home game against the New York Mets last week on the 11th of June. The Angels won that game, 11-6, to so cheers. And if that isn't a good enough description for you about the licorice, it also, the second thought I had, besides the, Frank, the, the Frankenstein uniform that they're using, it looks like a good humor strawberry shortcake popsicle. <laughs> Do you remember those? When the ice cream truck was rolling around your neighborhood... Just as you're home unpacking your book bag and you hear the bells and that sound playing and you're asking your parents, your grandparents, any adult in the vicinity for a few quarters to run after the ice cream truck. And then you get to the ice cream truck and you're just overwhelmed by all the ice cream pictures on the side of the truck. And it was like reading ancient Egyptian hieroglyphs. But the awesome thing is you can actually understand what each one of those Ice cream hieroglyphs means. (laughs) Oh, side note, by the way, I never met once, I never once met a female-owned ice cream truck operator. It's time for females to break the glass ceiling in the ice cream truck industry. I agree with you. Vote for me 2022. (laughs) Seriously. The Angel City Connect uniforms look like a strawberry shortcake popsicle. And it's not supposed to represent popsicles. It's supposed to represent, the uniform is supposed to represent beach and surf culture, which uh, they said it was supposed to be inspired by vintage surf brands. Popsicle, surfboards, kind of a Southern California vibe. I don't get it. I don't get it. And the the Los Angeles Angels president, John Carpino, said, quote, in Southern California, there are few things more synonymous with summer than the days of the beach and nights of the ballpark. Our City Connect uniforms look to celebrate those traditions by bringing the local beach culture to the big A, end quote. And the A, obviously, like I said earlier, the Los Angeles Angeles Angels are actually located in Anaheim, which is in Orange County, not in Los Angeles. (laughs) All right, so you don't 
have access to the internet machine right now. What do these Angels City Connect uniforms look like? Here's some of my highlights or lowlights. Overall, it's like a tan or a cream color. I don't, I've never understood if there's a difference between the colors tan or cream. So anyways, the tan or cream color is supposed to represent Southern, the Southern California sand. And the word angels is in red across the chest. And the S actually underlines the, underlines the entire word, which is supposed to represent a fishtail of a surfboard to honor two of the angels legends that have like fish seed last names, them being Mike Trout and Tim Solomon. And the player's jersey number, like all the other City Connect jersey, jerseys, are at the bottom right of the jersey in a font that honors the lifeguard towers inside of a baseball stadium. Kind of cool. On the, left, on the left sleeve, there are two symmetrical stripes that are supposed to be inspired by the look of retro surfboards. The pants also tan cream with red piping down the sides. There's a red belt. And the cap is two-toned with red and tan cream sand, whatever. And the red is supposed to signify the sunset. And there's a, of course, there's a normal halo uh, above the A, which represents angels. And the sock and the socks that the players wear have a wave pattern, which is supposed to, again, go with the ocean water theme. This is yet another City Connect uniform that I will not be buying anything of. Look, whether Anthony Radon is out, Mike Trout is playing better, they, these uniforms are going to inspire the angels to make a comeback. The Angels need all the help they can get because right now they're in second place in the National League West division. And as you know, as you may have heard, Joe Madden was fired. They lost 14 games in a row. They it's the worst it, it's the worst losing streak in franchise history. Back in 1988, the Angels lost 12 games in a row. Mike Trout, during that humongous losing streak just this earlier this month, Mike Trout didn't have a single hit for 26 at-bats. Things may be turning around. Maybe it's these surfer-inspired uniforms, this Frankenstein, because they've actually won, the Angels have won four of their last five games. In the last 15 games, Mike Trout is hitting 269. And by the way, Mike Trout hit five home runs this past weekend in, in Seattle in that big weekend series with against the Mariners. Again, the Angels need all the help they can get because their pitchers have given up 72 home runs this season, which is the 10th worst in Major League Baseball. And that pitching staff is in the same company as the Oakland Athletics, the Boston Red Sox, the Baltimore Orioles. Those are teams that you don't want to be associated with <laughs> this season, especially your pitchers. So the Angels are planning to wear their Surf City, USA, whatever the heck they're calling their, their City Connect uniform for about 7 to 10 home games this season. But you know what? At least they didn't do a Disney uniform because Disneyland is located in Anaheim. And I think the reason why Disney couldn't do it, I, I'm, I'm just thinking off the top of my head, is there was some kind of legal reason that, the, that Disney World is actually... Mickey Mouse has some kind of contractual obligation with, with, I think, the Los Angeles Dodgers, if I'm not mistaken. So anyways, that avenue was not open. That it, the... It, you would have thought that they'd do it with Disney. And Disney would have done a tremendous job of marketing and shoving those hats and those jerseys and those socks down people's throats. They're putting it, they would put it on Disney Plus. Mickey Mouse would come out with Disney and the Angels would have broken all sorts of uniform records. But I'm glad they didn't. I don't like not liking any of these City Connect jerseys, any of these City Connect uniforms. Like I had said a week or two ago that 
they need, they being Major League Baseball and Nike, need true artists to help design these things and not just random people sitting in, where the heck is Nike located? Portland, Oregon? In whatever, the HVP bullpen just sent me, just gave me a note. It's Beaverton, Oregon. So people just sitting in Beaverton, Oregon and just using the internet saying, oh, what's Anaheim known for? What's the south side of Chicago known known for? But just like Disney, this podcast is worldwide. We are everywhere, baby. I want to thank some of you listeners from, I hope I'm pronouncing this correctly, Dhaka, D-H-A-K-A, Dhaka, Dhaka, Bangladesh, and Fairfax, Virginia. Thanks for listening when we talk about baseball, drinks, weekends in Palm Springs, and everything else under the sun. Subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Google, SoundCloud, or Spotify. My very healthy raw kombucha will be in the episode description and on our social media accounts. Join me next time for a brand new episode of HBP, Hipster Baseball Podcast. Bye.